This CosmicReality.com presentation is sponsored by MysticalWares.com. Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. I'm the Success Alchemist. You can find me at thesuccessalchemist.net, thewebalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com, Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw, the Success Alchemist, uh, Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw, Truth Social Success Alchemist, and Telegram, US UK Patriot. Today is the 6th of August 2022, and the title of today's show is COVID Crime, Time to Take a Stand, Danchenko Trial, Carrie Lake Takes Arizona Primary. And I'm going to start with um, an article from Zero Hedge. This is uh, titled Member of European Parliament Labels COVID Vaccine Coercion Worst Crime Ever Committed on Humanity. Now, this was published back in July, July 28th. And I think I have mentioned this person before, but um, I really wanted to um, link this to some other articles that I'm going to cover today. It kind of puts some of the pieces of the puzzle together on the agenda behind COVID-19, the origins of COVID-19, and also the agenda behind the so-called vaccine. So this article um, reads, in a speech in the European Parliament earlier this month, German MP Christine Anderson described the coercion of people into taking COVID vaccines as the biggest crime ever committed on humanity. She said this vaccine campaign will go down as the biggest scandal in me medical history. Adding, moreover, it will be known as the biggest crime ever committed on humanity. And in a tweet replying to Jennifer Arcuri, Christine Anderson says, yup, and I meant every word of it. And that Jennifer Arcuri tweet includes the video of uh, Christine Anderson saying all this. The MEP was addressing mass flight cancellations and staff shortages in airports and on planes, asserting that while it is claimed the situation stems from companies not hiring back enough staff after the pandemic, the real reason is that pilots and other staff have refused to get vaccinated. Anderson further warned that unscrupulous globalist elites have used the pandemic for their own ends, asking what in God's name have they done with this? Addressing each and every elected representative of people in every Western democracy, Anderson asked, what have you done? You didn't do your job and do not tell me you didn't know, Anderson further asserted, adding, it is your job to protect the people that you were elected by. She continued, 
There is so much coming to light, all of the adverse side effects, numerous studies now available on fetal disfigurements, genetic defects of babies born to women who got vaccinated. What in the hell is going on here? Anderson urged, vowing, we will do all we can to make sure this is brought to light and ensure the rights of the people to be protected. The article includes the clip in which Christine Anderson was speaking and it also includes a video of the actual event and it was Identity and Democracy Group Conference Post-Vac Flight Risks, Are You Safe On Board A Plane? And that was dated the 5th of July. It's actually the European date format, not the American. Anderson previously made headlines for slamming the political elite for imposing vaccines and vaccine passports using extortion and manipulation. And there's a tweet from Seek for Truth, that's S-I-K-H, must watch very powerful in the entire history of mankind there has never been a political elite sincerely concerned about the well-being of regular people. What makes any of us think that it is different now? And that was again said by Christine Anderson, European Parliament. And that leads me on to an image that was shared on Facebook. And it's titled, Eliminate the Soul with Medicine. More than 100 years ago, Rudolf Steiner wrote the following... In the future, we will eliminate the soul with medicine. Under the pretext of a healthy point of view, there will be a vaccine by which the human body will be treated as soon as possible directly at birth so that the human being cannot develop the thought of the existence of soul and spirit. To materialistic doctors will be entrusted the task of removing the soul of humanity. As today, people are vaccinated against this disease or that disease, so in the future, children will be vaccinated with a substance that can be produced precisely in such a way that people, thanks to this vaccination, will be immune to being subjected to the madness of spiritual life. He would be extremely smart, but he would not develop a conscience, and that is the true goal of some materialistic circles. With such a vaccine, you can easily make the etheric body loose in the physical body. Once the etheric body is detached, the relationship between the universe and the etheric body would become extremely unstable. A man would become an automaton, for the physical body of man must be polished on this earth by spiritual will. So the vaccine becomes a kind of arimaniac force. Man can no longer get rid of a given materialistic feeling. He becomes materialistic of constitution and can no longer rise to the spiritual. That was Rudolf Steiner, 1861-1925. to Now, I find this really interesting because, you know, we're seeing such um, madness, insanity and evil in the world with all the... Um, the forcing of vaccines, the so-called COVID vaccine onto people, the pushing of abortion, even after birth, if you can call it an abortion, it's actually infanticide. And, you know, the, the antics of these um, pro-choice women that are 
celebrating the murder of unborn children and even children that have been born is just demonic. Um, and also we've heard reports of people who have said when they've had the vaccine that they feel like a detachment from spirit which is exactly what is being described by Rudolf Steiner. And, you know, the the vaccine itself is a killer and it, it creates many, many uh, side effects, as we know, which are, is being ignored and pushed under the carpet and censored. In any sane world, this vaccine would have been removed from the market after the well even during the trial when they already had deaths of people who were participating in the trial it's just um so evil to be still mandating this vaccine uh when there's nearly 30,000 deaths reported just on theirs that's not to mention all the deaths in the UK in Australia in New Zealand all over the world in Israel um, where Israel was named as like, um, you know, a test bed for the vaccine by Pfizer. So in any normal world, this would have been removed before it even got started. But no, it's uh, very clear what the agenda is, that it is the Great Reset's depopulation agenda. And this leads me on to a clandestine, bioclandestine substack article. Russian military declares Ukraine origin of C-19. DNC globalists created COVID. This was dated August the 4th. And we've had a few claims from Russia before now about uh, the biolabs and so on. This is a new biological update from Russia. New briefing from Chief of Radiation, Chemical and Biological Defense Forces, General Igor Kirillov, on military biological activities of the United States in the territory of Ukraine. The Russian military have been studying biological samples from surrendered Ukrainian soldiers, and what they have been finding is beyond disturbing. Approximately 20% of them carrying West Nile pathogens which were being studied by the Pentagon as part of the Ukrainian UP4 and UP8 projects, suggesting that Ukrainian soldiers are being subjected to involuntary biological experimentation and exposure to biological weapons, think Nuremberg. In addition to carrying pathogens, nearly all of the surrendered Ukrainian soldiers carried traces of a wide variety of narcotics and opioids, including meth and, co and codeine. Russia was sure to remind us of the Nazis' usage of methamphetamines in World War II. I covered this two weeks ago when the left-wing media tried to spin this reality as some sort of X-Men mutant conspiracy theory. No, they are just Nazis. And historically, Nazis used drugs, particularly as an advantage in war. And it links to his previous newsletter, Ukraine adopts historic Nazi tactic of supplying methamphetamines to military forces. Russia goes on to cite that this methamphetamine Ukraine are using, pervitin, was also used by US soldiers during Vietnam and Korea. 
It's designed to reduce the psycho-emotional burdens of war. However, an intended side effect is excessive aggression, which Russia alleges is one of the main factors for the nationalist Ukrainian forces displaying extreme cruelty to civilians and the shelling of their own people in Donbass. Ukraine are using mind-numbing agents on their forces to make them more susceptible to carrying out heinous acts. Next, we find perhaps the most explosive slide to date, in which Russia finally comes out and directly accuses the US of being responsible for the creation and release of COVID-19. What I have been saying from the beginning is that this all leads to C-19, which will be the nail in the coffin and the red pill that wakes up the world. The backlash the US are facing from Russia and the rest of Eastern world is directly because the world found out the United States created COVID, specifically the DNC slash liberal globalists, as the Russians allege, not Trump. Russia clarifies they have record of over 16,000 biological samples, including blood and serum samples, transported from Ukraine to the US, Georgia, European countries. The US claimed that all of these biological samples would be used exclusively for peaceful purposes, but we can see that they were not. Russia then pointed to US Congressman Jason Crow of the House Intelligence Committee, warned Americans about the dangers of giving their DNA to private companies, think 23andMe, for testing because, quote, there is a possibility that test results will be sold to third parties and the information obtained could be used to develop biological weapons targeting specific groups or individuals, end quote. Sounds exactly like what Russia have been alleging all along, that the US have been producing biological weapons to ethnically cleanse certain individuals of select genome sequences. I don't know about you all, but ethnic cleansing with biological weapons doesn't sound very democratic, but maybe that's just me. Russia says this activity gives reasonable cause to question US military biologists in the emergence and spread of the COVID-19 pathogen. Russia cites, in May 2022, Jeffrey Sachs, a leading expert in in the respected medical journal, The Lancet, and professor at Columbia University, the leading academic institution for global biosecurity, told a conference in Spain that, quote, the coronavirus was artificially created and is very likely to have been created using American advances in biotechnology, end quote. Take that in for a moment. Yup, Russia just accused the United States of creating and releasing COVID-19. But wait, there's more. Russia confirms the unnatural behaviour of C-19 proves that this virus was not only man-made, but being constantly worked on and artificially fuelled via the introduction of different variants to different regions. Myself and many others have been leaning towards the idea that Wuhan was not the only origin of the C-19 outbreak. It was released at multiple labs around the world with different specially engineered variants designed to target the people of the region with genome-specific C19 virus. 
The DNC globalists were using Ukraine as the home base for production of the virus, then shipping the genome-specific viruses to labs around the world to be released to ensure the virus infected the entire world. According to our experts, this is evidenced by the uncharacteristic variability of the genovariants that cause different peaks in the incidence of coronaviruses, significant differences in lethality and contagiousness, uneven geographical distribution, and the unpredictable nature of the epidemic process as a whole. It appears that despite efforts to contain and isolate the disease, the pandemic is being artificially fueled by the introduction of new variants of the virus in a particular region. Russia goes on to directly accuse the US Agency of International Development, USAID, of involvement of the creation of the new COVID variants, citing that they have been studying coronavirus since 2009 under Obama and that one of the main contractors for the project is the infamous Biden Biolab company Metabiota, the main source of biological malfeasance in Ukraine. The implementation of the COVID-19 scenario and USAID's emergency wind-down of the PREDICT program in 2019 suggests the deliberate nature of the pandemic and US involvement in its emergence. Russia believes not only did the US create and release COVID-19, but they did so with deliberate intentions. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, it gets worse. In the third slide, Russia highlights the activities of Labyrinth Ukraine, particularly their vaccination of Ukrainian soldiers and collecting biological samples from them so they can develop genome-specific biological weapons. Citing one of the main contractors affiliated with Lab Labyrinth is, once again, Biden's Metabiota. Russia also notes that Labyrinth Global Health have been studying coronaviruses and monkeypox. Thus, we see a clear trend. Infectious disease agents that reach the Pentagon's zone of interest are subsequently pandemic, with US pharmaceutical companies and their patrons the leaders of the U.S. Democratic Party, as the beneficiaries. Holy shit, Russia just said the DNC and U.S. Big Pharma are intentionally causing pandemics to win elections. Giving serious legitimacy to Anon's overall thesis about C-19 and 2020 and giving legitimacy to my thesis that monkeypox is the next bioweapon released intentionally by the deep state to attempt to steal the 2022 election with mass mail-in voting. And as a link to another of his newsletters, globalists initiate monkeypox fear campaign to push for mail-in voting. Yeah, I think we've all um, had that suspicion. In conclusion, Russia have now directly accused the DNC globalists of creating and releasing new variants of coronaviruses and now monkeypox intentionally for the purposes of political control and world domination. Using non-consensual experimentation on citizens of the world to create genome-specific biological weapons for ethnic cleansing. Creation and usage of narcotics such as methamphetamines on Ukrainian forces 
to dehumanize them in order to carry out heinous crimes against humanity on civilians in Ukraine. Russia just confirmed my overall narrative that the war in Ukraine is backlash for the deep state's creation and usage of COVID-19. We are already in World War III and C-19 was the first weapon fired. The fact that Russia have now come out and openly called this spade a spade suggests that we are approaching the finish line. Russia claims final dossier will be complete in autumn. Folks, it's happening. So there we have it. We've always suspected that this was a deliberate release of this virus um, as a bioweapon. And now the Russians are proving it. And I think this is giving more weight to the fact that the White Hats are winning and are in control. So it'd be interesting to see the final stages of this dossier being released in the autumn sometime. And obviously this could be, and I would hope it would be, prior to the midterm elections. I'm now going to move on to this Forbidden Knowledge TV article from August 2nd. It's time to take a stand, Matthias Desmet. And this really is not directly linked to the vaccine and the pandemic, but it is taking this psychological approach to what we've been seeing play out. Um, but I think it's, it's actually very positive. So I'll give a comment about that at the end. Um, it's regarding an interview between former SAIC and Pfizer executive Chris Martinson and Professor of Clinical Psychology at Ghent University in Belgium, Matthias Desmet, is a truly enriching, very high-level philosophical discourse about consciousness. Desmet's theory of mass formation psychosis exploded into mainstream awareness earlier this year when Dr. Robert Malone described it on the Joe Rogan podcast. And I have done previous shows reporting on this. In Desmet's new book, The Psychology of Totalitarianism, he explains what mass formation is, how it develops, how it's been repeatedly weaponized to implement totalitarianism, and what we must do to stop the conditions for these mass formation events from being created in the first place. Totalitarianism versus dictatorship. Desmet starts his conversation with Martinson by explaining the difference between totalitarianism and what he calls simple dictatorship. He says that prior to the 20th century, the world had never known totalitarianism. There had merely been dictatorships. He says many people confuse totalitarianism with classical dictatorships, but it's something completely different. The classical dictatorship has a very simple psychological structure. It's the population that is scared of a small group of people, the dictatorial regime, and therefore the population accepts that this small group of people imposes unilaterally its social contract to society. That's classical dictatorship. Totalitarian states are something completely different. The psychological basis is completely different. It's much more impressive and much more profound. Totalitarian systems are based on the process of mass formation, a kind of group dynamic which makes part of the population fanatically believe in a certain narrative 
or a certain ideology. And when this group, this mass, is led by few leaders, they can easily seize control of society. And that's when a new kind of state system emerges, a totalitarian state, which not only controls political space and public space, such as a classical dictatorship does, but which also controls private space, because the totalitarian state has a huge secret police at its disposal, namely this part of the population that fanatically believes in the state narrative. It's interesting that we've seen this recently when um, in the UK a veteran was arrested for posting a meme, I don't know, if it, I think it was on Facebook, and there'd been a complaint uh, from somebody who saw this to the police uh, saying that they had been offended by it and it had caused anxiety. And there are pictures of this person outside his house and there are five police officers there to arrest somebody for a social media post. I mean, this is exactly what this article is talking about. Continuing, in the 20th century, we saw communist totalitarianism and fascist totalitarianism, but what we're now facing is a technocratic totalitarianism, led not by gang leaders like Stalin and Hitler, but by dull bureaucrats and technocrats, such as the young global leaders of the World Economic Forum, like Justin Trudeau, Christia Freeland, Jacinda Ardern, Emmanuel Macron, Gavin Newsom, Pete Buttigieg and others. Materialism and mechanism. But what Soviet Russia's historical materialism and Hitler's racialist neo-Darwinism all have in common with the World Economic Forum's transhumanist iteration of today is they are all variants of the mechanist ideology and its view of mankind and of the, and of the world. The idea that the entire universe is made up of elementary particles that behave mechanistically and that can all be perfectly understood in a rational way. That's the essence of mechanist ideology, Desmet says. The belief that the universe is a machine and that everything can be understood in a rational way, controlled in a rational way, manipulated in a rational way, and that the essence of life can be reduced to the categories of our own logical understanding. That's the core problem we are facing now. It's that kind of thinking, that kind of ideology that ultimately leads to the concentration camps. I also think it's linked to how they're trying to take God and a spirituality out of everything. Martinson agrees. As a classically trained scientist himself, he has observed that good scientists, right when they get to the edge of what the known is, they almost invariably become spiritual on some level because they go, wow, I rationalised all the way down to the heart of this thing and it's completely irrational, meaning it's ineluctable. You can't describe it in words. You can't get your arms around it. The more you try to understand it, the less you can. So you have to come at it with the irrational side of us, which we can also call intuition. There's an evolutionary process here, and that's what's before us right now. Nothing less than the heart of our species is really at the cusp of something. And if we get it wrong, we get to a place that ends in mass atrocity. Guess what? We've been there before. 
probably not a lot more to learn from that except it sucks. And this does link to the vaccine because, of course, the forcing of this vaccine, which we know is a bioweapon on people, is a mass atrocity. We're seeing deaths, we're seeing people being disabled. Um, it's truly a horror story. So continuing on. But there's this other path we could take. But first, we have to understand the dimension of the problem. This short video is actually a great discussion about how rational understanding, while it does have its place, it is not capable of understanding the essence of life, which is something that Desmet ran into while studying complex dynamical systems. When I dove deep into dynamical systems theory, I suddenly understood that the essence of life and of nature is irrational. That's what it shows. This theory shows that paradoxically, in a strictly rational way, that the essence of every complex dynamical system, that it always behaves irrationally, literally, like an irrational number. If you walk down the road of irrationality to the very end, you will soon stumble upon a land that you can never enter with rational thinking. And then you have to switch. You have to develop this other kind of knowing the world, this much more resonating way of knowing the world, a way of knowing the world which brings you in touch with the real, which brings you in touch with the eternal principles of life, which are ethical principles, he laughs. The limits of rationality give way to the music of life. So you make this switch from an existence based on rational understanding to an existence based on the more resonating knowing and in which you feel become in touch with principles which can never be articulated in a definitive way but which allow you to position yourself in life and in society towards other people. I went through this process myself. At the moment that I started to become aware of the fact that rational understanding is limited and never capable of grasping the essence of life, it was like a true revelation for me. I started to feel that suddenly, that if you are convinced that everything around you can be reduced to the categories of your own logical understanding, you actually constantly destroy your connection with life. You constantly destroy your awareness of the mystery of life. If we fanatically think in a logical way, it is literally as if we build a wall around us through which we isolate ourselves from the music of life, from the vibration of life. And as soon as you can accept that your logical understanding will always be limited and will never deliver you the ultimate knowledge, this is as if all the logical building blocks slide away a little bit from each other. And as if the eternal music of life can enter your being through the host and can touch the strings of your being and can make you resonate with the eternal vibration of life. And that's the moment as well when you start to overcome the fear of death and dying just because you feel that you're part of something eternal. That's my own experience. I'm not against rational understanding, not at all. You will have to, you have to walk the path of rationality as far as possible to finally reach the limit and enter a country that is so much more beautiful than the rational country. So, rationality, perfect, very necessary. We are not rational enough. But if we would be rational enough, we would soon arrive at the limit of rationality. 
Desmet goes on to say that science was once revolutionary, but it has since become a dogmatic and oppressive tool. The mechanistic, materialistic, atheistic mindset of Yuval Harari and the World Economic Forum is not just dead, it is death and it is doomed to failure. Moment of great opportunity. Martinson agrees and he believes that this is a great moment for people to wake up and say, oh, actually this was not just totalitarianism, it was the whole subset of conditions that led to that totalitarianism. Those were so bleak that totalitarianism made sense. The question is, where do we go forward? And to me, that's why this story has so much energy. It's so exciting because this is an opportunity for people to actually wake up in this life. They have and find the idea that's trying to speak through them or whatever their arc is. Desma agrees, saying, what we are going through is a process in which something new is born. He says that uncertainty is what truly makes a human being human. And every time someone attempts to eliminate uncertainty, he dehumanizes life. And that's exactly what totalitarian leaders do. Totalitarian leaders believe they have the ultimate answer, Stalin said literally. My population should react like a dog of Pavlov to what I say. They shouldn't think. They should react as machines. He wants to exclude all uncertainty. He wanted to impose one way, one theory, one ideology in a relentless way on society. That's so characteristic of totalitarianism, is the core root of totalitarianism. The word totalitarianism means exactly that, a total theory of how society should be organised. It's a radical incapacity to experience the fundamental uncertainty of human existence as the precondition for creation, singularity and uniqueness in life. The alleged inevitability of a transhumanist technocratic future. Martinson says many of us are swept up in the apparent inevitability that we will eat the bugs and we will own nothing, etc. And Desma explains that this is the mechanism of the mass formation at work. The most absurd theories seem inevitably right when you are in a mass formation. That's exactly what the mechanism of mass formation shows so clearly, that when you are in the mass formation, your attention is so focused, you only see a very small part of reality. And you see only these things that confirm the narrative you believe in and all the rest you're not aware of any longer. So that's a strange fact indeed. That's the explanation why people in the end start to become convinced that when the number of contaminations for the corona crisis increases a little bit, that the country should go into lockdown, that there is no other option. Hannah Arendt said that as soon as you accept the starting point A, then you also have to go to the end of the murderous alphabet, she said. As soon as you say A, you have to say B, C, D until Z until the end of the murderous alphabet. And it's strange, for someone who is not in the grip of the phenomenon, he sees very clearly how absurd it is. He sees, okay, you want to save some people's lives by going into lockdown, but these lockdowns will kill maybe a hundred times more people than the virus could kill. But no matter how many times you will repeat that to someone, matter how much you will try to show them the absurdity of their line of reasoning, 
they usually won't be convinced simply because they're in a state of mass formation, which makes the focus of attention so narrow, which focuses all the psychological energy so much on a very limited set of representations that the other representations have no impact anymore. So at the end, it's something like that. It's this process that leads to the experience of inescapability. The, in quotes, only way, end quote, to save ourselves, the only way to deal with the problems we have is this totalitarian ideology. That's exactly why this theory of mass formation is important, because it can make you understand, it shows why people are in this strange mental state in which they become completely blinded to everything that shows that what they believe in is absurd. More importantly, the absurdity of the beliefs during mass formation is followed by the absurdity of cruelties. A radical intolerance towards anything that goes against the absurd beliefs is the hallmark of mass formation. And so I think what we're seeing here is what I would call the great divide. And it's really between the people who are awake, and I believe the people who are awake are in touch with their spirituality, they're in touch with their intuition. And I've seen uh, posts on Twitter of people saying, why is it that some of us saw through this whole vaccine hoax and COVID hoax from the start and others didn't? It's because the mass formation people just believe everything, that all the propaganda that they're fed Whereas the ones who are awake to this and who are still awakening to it are getting in touch with their intuition. And this also links to perhaps the fact that those people who swallowed all the lies and took the vaccine, they also are being separated from their intuition because of the contents of the vaccine as described in that Rudolf Steiner quote. So you can see all the different elements of this, you know, taking the helicopter view and how it all fits together. And I think we're getting to the point now where people are more and more going to awaken and are, are getting red-pilled more and more. And going back to the uh, Russia situation where they're calling out the biolabs in Ukraine... I think when all of this comes out, it'll expose the corrupt politicians who are involved in Ukraine, including Biden Jr. and Sr. Um, and the Biden administration have just authorized another billion dollars worth of equipment to Ukraine, despite the fact that there are articles saying that 70% of the munitions are not reaching the front line. So it's all obvious more and more that it's a money laundering scheme um, that the Democrats and possibly some of the rhinos are involved in. So this is not a, you know, a political battle we're in. It's actually that spiritual battle between the... Um, the awake, the spiritually connected, and the the people that are totally disconnected from their spirituality, which, as I was saying before, explains this demonic um, call for the 
mass murder of unborn children, the transgenderism, the transhumanist um, proponents, and so on and so forth. But remember, God wins, and I do believe we are winning, and spirituality will be the victor. Moving on to a completely different topic now, um, this is to do with the Danchenko trial. And this was published by Brian Cates on his substack. Um, John Durham will be the main prosecutor at Danchenko's trial, and it was published on August 2nd. FBI recordings of Danchenko's interviews are going to be highly problematic for the defence. On August 1st, special counsel John Durham dropped his latest bombshell. Durham himself is going to be the lead prosecutor in the upcoming October trial of the suspected Russian spy who fled the country in 2010 under suspicion of having engaged in espionage and yet somehow is back in the United States by 2016, employed by the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign via Fusion GPS as the primary source for Christopher Steele's fake dossier. While Durham took a back seat during the Michael Sussman trial, that won't be the case during the trial of suspected Russian spy Igor Danchenko. Durham files to be lead prosecutor in the Danchenko trial. Durham didn't even sit at the prosecution table in the Sussman trial. He certainly did not file to be the lead prosecutor in that case. All the proceedings in the courtroom at the Sussman trial was handled by three junior members of the special counsel's office. Jonathan Algor, Andrew DeFilippis, Michael Thomas Keelty. John Durham never said one word in the courtroom while the proceedings were underway, so it sets a completely different tone for this upcoming trial that Durham has told the court he is lead prosecutor in this case. What is the Danchenko trial about? The upcoming trial is about five specific times Danchenko is alleged to have deliberately lied to federal officials who were interviewing him about his major role in the construction of what has come to be called the Steele dossier hoax. The Steele dossier was used by the FBI to get a Pfizer warrant to legally spy on the Trump campaign while the 2016 presidential race was still ongoing. The surveillance continued all the way through September 2017, long after Trump had won the election and had assumed office inside the White House. Only after they had already used the Steele dossier to apply for a surveillance warrant on Carter Page in October of 2016 did the FBI get around to any attempts at verifying the, the allegations Danchenko had provided. Agents did not begin meeting with Danchenko to question him about the dossier allegations until January of 2017, when the Pfizer warrant was up for the first of three subsequent renewals. Over the course of the next several months, during this series of interviews with FBI agents, interviews that were often recorded without Danchenko's knowledge, more on that in a minute, Danchenko told five specific falsehoods. It is strange that the FBI was secretly recording its interviews with Danchenko, but this will help Durham make his case. In normal interviews with suspects, it's been long-standing agency policy that FBI agents are not allowed to make recordings of interviews. They are instructed to make handwritten notes during or immediately following the interview. 
The agents then enter the notes into the FBI computer system to create 302 interview forms. This policy played a direct role in the fiasco of the General Michael Flynn case. That was the major scandal where former top officials inside the DOJ, the FBI and the Mueller Special Counsel all conspired together to target Flynn with an invented crime so that they could investigate and then prosecute him. Because there were no recordings of the interview between Flynn and FBI agents Peter Strock and Joe Pientka, the 302 interview forms that the two agents filed, sorry, filled out, took on major significance in the Flynn case. And it's widely known that there were a whole series of strange shenanigans around these Flynn interview 302 forms. Pienka's role in all of this continues to be an exceedingly strange one. Six years on, he remains the DOJ stroke FBI invisible man. In all the attention and hoopla surrounding the ever-growing Spygate scandal, where people at the FBI such as Strock and Lisa Page and Andrew McCabe became household names, Pienka remains an actual anomaly right in the centre of the entire scandal. In his detailed FISA abuse report, DOJ Inspector General Michael E. Horowitz and his team of investigators did a deep dive into many of the issues surrounding the Flynn 302 interview forms. It turned out FBI lawyer and Strock side piece Lisa Page was helping Strock edit the 302 forms to make it look as if Flynn had been deceptive in his answers when both Strock and Pienka had reported to their superiors that Flynn didn't appear to be lying to them. Now here in another related Spygate case, all of a sudden the Durham Special Counsel's Office is revealing that the FBI was secretly recording some of its interviews with Danchenko without his awareness or permission. Several times in the Danchenko indictment, the FBI reveals it was making recordings of some of Danchenko's interviews with its agents without Danchenko being aware of this. Sussman's defence team may have found wiggle room arguing about handwritten notes and witnesses' recollection of discussions from years gone by. Danchenko's lawyers are going to have a much tougher go of it. So one key thing that will make the Danchenko trial markedly different from the Sussman trial is that in Sussman's case, a lot of time was spent arguing over handwritten notes jotted down following the key meeting in the case. Much of the testimony in the former Perkins Coy lawyer's trial involved people trying to recall details of meetings from over five years ago. As it so happens, Durham isn't relying on handwritten notes scribbled down after the fact and he won't need to rely on much, if any, testimony where witnesses attempt to recall events from five or six years ago. Durham has recordings and transcripts to work with. What does Durham's indictment actually claim? And it says you can read the special counsel's indictment of Igor Danchenko here, so there's a link to that. Here's how Durham explained Danchenko's alleged crimes in that indictment. First, the special counsel sets the stage by explaining how a completely innocent American citizen, Carter Page, ended up being accused by the FBI of being a foreign agent working for Russia while he was part of the Donald Trump presidential campaign. Having set the stage, Durham then introduces Danchenko as the main source for the allegations that were used by the FBI to get that Pfizer warrant on Carter Page and, by extension, on the Trump campaign itself. 
The lies Danchenko told the agents interviewing him can be divided into two main categories. Lies told to shield actual dossier sources from the FBI and lies told to offer a fake dossier source to the agents. The first several lies trying to hide the dossier's real sources from the FBI. And Durham relates how when the FBI began questioning Danchenko about the sources he claimed he used to compile the Trump-Russia collusion allegations that ended up the Carter W. Page FISA warrant, the native Russian began trying to, dis- to desperately steer the FBI away from one key source, a long-time Clinton family political associate named Chuck Dolan. So the first big series of lies the FBI caught Danchenko telling to them is in these series of interviews involved Danchenko's attempts to hide Dolan's involvement as a dossier source. The next several lies proffering a fake source to the FBI. After having tried to steer the FBI away from actual dossier sources, Danchenko then proceeded to tell his second series of lies when he proffered a fake dossier source to the agents, Sergei Millian. Danchenko attempted to convince the FBI that Millian was the source of some of the Steele dossier's most outlandish claims, such as that there was a well-developed conspiracy of cooperation between the Trump campaign and the Russian government, as well as the infamous P-tape story, and that Millian had related these key allegations to him in a phone call in July of 2016. In its subsequent investigation, the FBI determined two things. First, that Millian had never spoken to Danchenko, and second, that Danchenko was hiding the real source of the stories that supposedly came to him via this phone call that never happened. So by September of 2017, even as the agency finally let the third and final renewal of the Carter Page Pfizer warrant expire for good, the FBI's Crossfire Hurricane team and the Mueller Special Counsel were well aware that this suspected Russian spy, who had provided all the key allegations in that warrant, was simultaneously hiding real dossier sources and offering fake ones. They'd known all of this since at least July of 2017 and not only renewed the warrant a third time, they'd made the decision to pursue General Flynn and prosecute him for an invented crime. Durham will prove all of this in court. He has the evidence and it's looking increasingly like he intends to present it to the jury himself. Danchenko is not the only one who'll end up in legal jeopardy due to these FBI recordings. And you can quote me on that. So I think what we're seeing is um, mounting pressure building up uh, in relation to Russiagate. Um, When Sussman was acquitted, of course, a lot of the opinion was that, well, it had actually done, served its purpose in terms of linking everything to Hillary Clinton's campaign. And the fact that this source was also um, linked to the Clintons, to Hillary Clinton, is further evidence that Hillary Clinton was behind all this and probably Obama as well. And there's been some um, questioning about the information that Trump declassified at the end of his presidency or the end of his first term as president. And people are 
are speculating that that was given to Durham, which is why it wasn't released to the public, because it's going to be used in the trials by the um, special counsel. So as the trial is going to be happening in October, again, I think this is going to put more and more pressure on the Democrat Party because of all the um, evidence of the corruption that is going to be uh, exposed during this trial. So, again, I do think that we're winning. <laughs> that I know it's taking a long time, but uh, as I say, the pressure is mounting Democrats are more and more panicking, especially after the results of the primaries. And that leads me on to Carrie Lake's triumph in Arizona, despite the chaos um, of the whole election process. Western Journal reports Carrie Lake, fierce Trump ally, wins Arizona GOP primary for governor. This was published August the 4th, and it was actually by the Associated Press, who I'm not a fan of because they tend to be very um, left-wing, shall we say. Carrie Lake, a former news anchor who walked away from her journalism career and was embraced by Donald Trump and his staunch supporters, won the Republican primary for Arizona governor on Thursday. Lake's victory was a blow to the GOP establishment that lined up behind lawyer and businesswoman Karen Taylor Robson, in an attempt to push their party past the Trump era. Lake said she would not have certified Joe Biden's 2020 presidential victory and put claims of election fraud at the centre of her campaign. Arizonans who have been forgotten by the establishment just delivered a political earthquake, Lake said in a statement after the race was called. Republicans now enter the general election sprint with a slate of nominees closely allied with Trump, who deny that Biden was legitimately elected president. Lake will face Democratic Secretary of State Katie Hobbs in the November election. Now, what the article doesn't say is that Carrie Lake actually won every county in Arizona. And that just shows how much support there is four Republican MAGA candidates, and I'm sure the Democrats are panicking more and more. It was fairly obvious that they were trying to cheat again, and Brian Case has actually weighed in on this on Telegram. And he says the question of if Trump's red wave strategy works or not has been answered. It works. Carrie Lake's win in one of the six corrupt battleground states in one of the most corrupt counties proves it. MAGA stroke America First has the sheer numbers of voters and even the uni parties determined cheating cannot override the red wave. In the two months and three weeks to election day in November for the midterms, expect all the usual suspects to be shrieking even louder as they insist real patriots would not participate in these rigged election systems. They will grow increasingly frantic and incoherent the closer November gets. Of course, Trump is, sell is telling all us patriots to get out and vote, but is the giveaway. We know the election systems are rigged, and now we know how to beat the system. We will overwhelm their rigged election system again in November, and then Carrie Lake is going to clean house in Arizona. And it all started with that huge primary victory this week. When so many patriots step up, when so many people get involved, 
all their clever vote fraud mechanisms get swept away. We will continue building the momentum and the wins into November. When the people show up, the cheaters get exposed. Trump knows this. Expect a ton more rallies between now and November as he continues building our massive red wave even bigger and bigger and bigger. And then in a second post, you know I was speculating for three days what the Maricopa County election officials were going to do. Pretty sure there were frantic meetings with a lot of yelling behind closed doors about the fix they suddenly found themselves in. They were positive they'd done enough early mail-in cheating to withstand any red wave that hit them on election day this past Tuesday. And they were wrong. Even with the usual vote-splitting strategy of having three other GOP rhino candidates on the ballot to help Karen Taylor Robson pull votes away from Carrie Lake, Lake still won handily. You know what's going on right now in Arizona, in all those counties where the GOP Democrat Uniparty cheaters had spent a lot of money setting up what they thought was a foolproof cheat system? All those election officials in Penal and Maricopa and all the other counties where the fix was in are now having to explain, hat in hand, as they face wrath of the McCain and cartel mafias just how this could have possibly happened. Untold millions of dollars were spent with the direct purpose of preventing what is now going to happen. Katie Hobbs is going to have to face Carrie Lake in the general in November. Establishment donors who put up millions of their own money to ensure that Katie face a rhino ringer who would take a graceful bow and then exit stage right after losing like she was supposed to are very upset today. Now these same people have to dump even more millions into this Arizona governor's race that was supposed to be already over and they're not happy about it. Tis glorious. And then, to add insult to injury, the Epoch Times reports election director resigns after comprehensive failure on primary day in Arizona County. And this was published yesterday. An election official from an Arizona county has resigned after allegations of voter irregularities and a ballot shortage on primary elections day. The penal county government confirmed that David Frisk is no longer in the position of elections director and is no longer employed by Penal County in a statement on Thursday, two days after Arizona's primary election day, after a shortage of ballots on primary election day and thousands of early ballots were sent to the wrong voters leading up to the primaries. Frisk was in charge of ordering the right number of ballots for primary election day. Jeffrey McClure, chairman of the Penal County Board of Supervisors, told reporters in a press conference on Wednesday. I'm not sure how the ballot shortage happened, McClure said. We opened the boxes and there weren't enough ballots. As a board, we are deeply embarrassed and frustrated by the mistakes that have been made in this primary election, McClure said in a Thursday statement. And as such, we are taking immediate steps to ensure the November election runs smoothly as elections in Penal County have historically done prior to this primary. The Penal County confirmed the ballot shortage late Tuesday, citing an unprecedented demand for in-person ballots, causing a ballot shortage in certain limited precincts. 
The county said it continued to print ballots and distributed them to the affected polling site during primaries day. Penal County Attorney Kent Volkmer claimed that both Republican and Democratic races were affected, saying the mistake was widespread and an equal opportunity. McClure told local media station Fox 10 that he had not seen evidence of a nefarious act referring to intentional voter fraud, which of course he would say. But the Republican National Committee described the ballot shortage, along with numerous other issues, as a comprehensive failure that affected Republican heavy precincts across the state. It found at least 12 precinct voting locations ran out of Republican ballots throughout Election Day, describing it as inexcusable in a precinct voting location system. So, obviously, this was done, as Brian Cates was saying in his Telegram posts, to try and steal the election. But it didn't work. Victory! So that's all I have time for today for this week's show. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope you'll join me for another Cosmic Creating show next Saturday. And I'd like to thank Nancy for producing and Derek Condit of mysticalwares.com for sponsoring Cosmic Reality Radio. Please visit mysticalwares.com and support us. And until next time, take care, stay well, be safe and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you for listening to Cosmic Reality Radio. We appreciate your support. Please visit our sponsor at mysticalwares.com for a huge selection of metaphysical products, gifts, candles, incense, and one of the largest Shungite collections available. Cosmic Reality Radio is sponsored by Mystical Wares Online Store, where coupon code SAVE10 will get you 10% off your entire order at mysticalwares.com. <laughs>